from Clarkside the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 387. Andrew with you once again, and I am recording this intro a little bit after the fact. As you can see from the title of this week's episode, we have Leftos as our special guest this week. He joins Derek, that is Deeper 3, of course, and myself to talk about his time at Visual Concepts and his work on the franchise modes over the years. We recorded the show back in May, so obviously he couldn't say anything about NBA 2K22 yet, so no scoops for you, I'm afraid, but it's still a very fun conversation, catching up with an old friend and former NLSC team member, of course. So with that being said, please enjoy our chat with our leftos. So Derek, we have a treat for everybody today. We have another interview. Oh, this is super exciting. Uh, actually, the second time we've been on the mics today, too. Absolutely. And uh, you know, we can't really surprise people because we did announce it uh, at the time when we put out a call for for questions but we so we won't bury the lead any further and we want to bring in he is the uh, lead software engineer back end on the nba 2k team at visual concepts he's a former nlc team member it, it says here he's the the inventor of the bagel i don't know about that i think that's a lie but uh it's our, it's our friend good friend leftos hello leftos it's it's the euro bagel it's ah. not, not just any bagel i won't take credit for like you know uh the carbs but the, I brought the hero to the bagel, among other things, yes. It's really, <laughs> it's really nice to get to talk to you again, Andrew, and really nice to meet you over the podcast too, Derek. Oh, happy to have yeah, you. No, nice yep. to meet you too. So you, you did actually reach out to us um, uh, to talk about the bagel, obviously, but, uh, yes. but no, it's uh, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, obviously. You've been there at uh, Visual Concepts for, what, eight years now? Almost eight years. It's going to be eight years in July. I've already crossed the eight-year threshold since my interview with Visual Concepts, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it just shows how time has flown, a whole generation. I, I, I know. It's, it's, it's weird to me to think that I started this podcast. <laughs> you did, yeah. You, you, you are the original host, yeah. Yeah, and how much you refused to participate, Andrew. How we had to like somehow convince you to to participate on the podcast. You were for the longest time. You were like, "No, you guys are doing a great job. I I just enjoy listening to it." Oh yeah, yeah. You know what's hilarious about that though, Leftos now is he's. We're both incredibly strict about putting a show out every week. Like we've been putting out. I think we've done over seventy episodes together now, and I think we've only missed one week. So yeah. we're like really strict about it now. I but. I'm not I'm not surprised at all given that Andrew is like someone that has made sure there's new content on the NLC for over a decade, like I don't fifteen years straight, like how long it's been. Uh that just, there's been like So the the archives the current archives only go back to because it's we when we switch over to WordPress to August mm-hmm. uh, t- uh, 2011, but technically mm-hmm. have, I haven't missed a daily update since uh, December 31st, uh, 2006. Yeah, see, yeah. 15 years. Like, I, I, well, not 15 yet, but like four, I had 14 and, and some change, and I'm not surprised at all. Like, Andrew's consistency was something always to look up to. Um, I, I'm not like, uh, I became <laughs> a moderator again, a forum moderator on my spare time. Um, for uh for a for a car related forum and um it just just the amount of effort it takes just to keep a community like well like running like a a well-oiled machine is is enough but then on top of that to like produce content on a daily basis is just something that i've always looked up to to andrew uh, uh, about at a certain point, it's obsession more than really something to look up to, but uh, I'll take the compliment anyway. 
<laughs> good for, good for. What's impressive about it is just the continuing of being able to think of new content to write about. Like I, I'm, I'm always blown away by all the different ideas and being able to come out with different articles related to basketball gaming every single week. It just blows my mind. It, it well, again, I, I th- well, thank you, but it really is the ego to think people are actually interested in what I have to say. So that's <laughs> what it comes down to. So. I, I'm glad we flipped this and that this is now an interview about Andrew. I've been wanting to do this ever since I met him. So, so Andrew, tell us a little bit about your background and what first got you into basketball gaming. Or, you know, maybe maybe let's do that another time. I don't know. Well, you know <laughs> I mean, what? I'm it's... down. Well, here's the thing. I'm it's... down to flip the script anytime. <laughs> Bring well, me back and I'll interview you. Well, you know what? We we are doing celebrating later this year in August, the both the 25th anniversary of the site and my 20th anniversary running it. So, hey, if you want to come back and we'll do something, yes. do something crazy, hey. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I'm totally down for that. I'm totally down. Yeah, I've I've missed doing this so much, and like of course I I don't think it would surprise anyone to hear that you know when I participate as a developer on a podcast like this it has to go through approval so it's not like the most straightforward process to just jump on here every week, but I miss doing podcasts so much you know I think I think it carried through just how much I was enjoying myself back when we first started the podcast and if i was on it would go for three hours inevitably <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> I, I i hope to i hope to contain myself but there might be a lot to talk about well derek it's and i so, have gone long as well we, we have the same problem so well uh, it's a yeah. good problem to have absolutely absolutely it's just it was just like it was such an escape back before when i back before i even knew i needed an escape you know, like, no matter how hard my week was, getting on the mic and getting to just chat on the podcast for, like, an hour or two really felt comforting for for some reason, you know? And I, I hope I hope it's doing the same for you still, even after all these years. But I, I really remember the podcast as one of the activities I was mo- most fond of as part of, like, helping uh, run the NLC. Oh, it's it's definitely something that uh, that we love doing every week. You know, uh, we revamped it in uh, 2019. Um, I got Tim Kitzrow, the voice of NBA Jam, on the podcast. That's something I'll yep, still talk about because that. Yep. that was that was huge. Um, you could go back and listen to that episode 280. I'm doing my best to be professional, but I'm fanboying out because why wouldn't I? Uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely fun, been fun and rewarding for me as well. Uh, the, the the main difference is now that I'm editing out my own flubs, as Derek can attest to, uh, and not your potty mouth. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing, right? I need to, I need, I need to be careful about what I say. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll do my best. I want to keep the editing work you'll have to do down to a minimum. <laughs> oh, I, I, make, I do want. To I make enough work for myself. The, don't worry. <laughs> the fact that you were able to, and this is what I think a lot of people dream of, you, you were able to turn a passion, like you know, you weren't making money doing the podcast or making your audio editors or, you know, making us get a technical file for swearing on a PC version of a game. Like you weren't making money getting, um, you know, working on that stuff and working on the NLSC. It was a passion of yours and an escape. And then you were able to turn that into a career. And I think that that is amazing. And I think that that's what most people um, dream of. So um, you're kind of living your dream and that's pretty amazing. It, it is certainly an interesting story and one that I would have never expected to be my story, you know, how I came to get this job. But yeah, it definitely started, um, I mean, 
I don't. I I probably have told this story on the podcast before, but it's been seven, eight years now. So like, I'm not gonna worry about whether I've said this before. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine some angry commenter saying, "Back in podcast 32, you talked about all of that. <laughs> Why are you talking about it again?" But um, my 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 whole like my story around basketball game started when I was um, five years old. I don't even remember what the what the game was is called anymore. All I know is that I would type b-ball on a DOS prompt to start that game, and I would play that game. I didn't understand what the traveling rule was because the word traveling sounded so positive. It sounded like going on a vacation, <laughs> so I couldn't possibly. I I just it just didn't register with my young Greek mind how a traveling violation could be a bad thing. Um, so that was that was my initial struggle. That game, thankfully, you could turn that rule off. Um, so then I, I started playing at a very young age. Started actually playing basketball on my local youth team at a young age. But eventually, there was one year where we changed coaches, and uh, the new coaches' um, strategy for uh, training us was abuse. Um, so that didn't work out really. Um, I was I was a fat kid, okay. I was like I wasn't I was gaining pounds as I was as as I was entering my teenage years, and the ways w- with which he would like you know demean me, thinking that that's what was gonna get me to stop having dessert once a week or like how, how what what was gonna get me to lose weight, you know. Um, it didn't actually pan out. Half the team quit that year. Um, and it was frustrating for me because I love playing basketball, not because I wanted to become some like professional athlete, like the ways he would yell. I, I distinctly remember we were playing at the other local gym. There were two gyms in town. We were playing in an open gym regularly, but there was this closed gym and there was this, you know, intra inter town tournament, um, back there in uh, the Athens suburbs. And we were playing against the other local team. And at the end of the game, he was yelling at us so intensely that the parents of the kids of the other team were all just staring on the, in our direction, wondering what was going on. Like, because we lost, he, he like, just the way he would talk to us was horrible. And half the team quit that year, and I was frustrated because I was having so much fun playing basketball with the friends I made there. That uh, and that was it. Felt like that was taken away from me. I wasn't about to keep playing basketball if I was going to be made to feel like crap every 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 week. Absolutely, so, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's yeah. that's the kind of thing. Like, why are these why are these parents become coaches that they're not cut out for it. It's, I suppose because nobody yeah. else wants to do it. So the 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 arrogant uh, jerk gets the job. But yeah, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So it was super frustrating, and I gave up. I gave up on basketball for for years and years. And I got back into basketball when um, 2K9 came to PC. Um, I didn't have a console. I didn't have enough money to buy a console. So 2K9 comes out on PC. I was very impressed with the fidelity of everything, which is kind of funny to look to go and look back at videos of 2K9 and what you know what passed as impressive back then. But it's it's also been 12 years since. So yeah, no wonder it felt super impressive. Um, so I got back into basketball through basketball video games with 2K9. I was in college, and I discovered through the analysts that there was a huge modding community. And I was like, well, I know how to code. 
what if I tried to help? And that's where I started creating the different tools, like like Derek said, the audio tool, the speech recognition tool, and that came out of frustration that um, you know the there was only speech recognition through the Kinect for Xbox. Um, the AirRoster tool that I created as like a bridge while we're waiting for Vlad to come out with Redditor for that year. Um, a shader editing tool, a hex editing tool. What else? Oh, oh, and the, and the biggest one was, <laughs> and this stemmed from, I'm sure you remember this, Andrew, um, the 2K12 bug, where if you were playing um, games on the sticks in, in franchise, it would double count the stats from that game. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and how it just completely destroyed any semblance of having like accurate team stats that year. Um, I don't know if if the bug was fixed on consoles, but not on PC. Um, but I remember just being so frustrated by it because at that point I was playing association every year. I was putting 100, 200 hours into it every year. Um, so not being able to track stats probably was just unacceptable for me. So I created a tool where you would um, you would import your save right before the game then you would finish the game, then you would enter the box score, just the line score, just the the total stats for each team, and it would correct the stats in your save. So that was the beginning of NBA 2K12 team stats, team stats tool, something like that. And, and so I started talking about it in the community on the NLSC forums, and, and someone said, well, you have the stats now, what about averages? What about metrics? So I'm like, yeah, I could do that. So I added averages and metrics. And then they're like, okay, that's cool. What What if you could create scouting reports for us doing association stories? And I'm like, oh, I, I could do that. I could take the stats and write some like natural language stuff out of it or create a little like nice versus view where you could see the most meaningful stats of each team and how they compare. So I kept adding features based on like feedback and then someone said, hey, does this only work with NBA 2K? Because I have like um, a league with friends and we would love to use your tool to, to track stats. And I'm like, I guess it doesn't have to work with just NBA 2K. And long story short, it ended up blowing up into like a full-blown basketball statistical analysis tool. And I even got the dean of my college department to accept it as an out-of-catalog thesis for my undergraduate degree. And so what started as a bug fix for NBA 2K12 um, ended up being a basketball statistical analysis tool that I ended up even employing uh, during my tenure at Visual Concepts. It, so, so I had all these tools out there, and I remember um, there was I was, I was I was wrapping up college, I had just graduated, and I was like, okay, you know, there was no game development like video game development sector to speak of in Greece. So I was like, okay, well, what are my options? Well, I love teaching. I'll just, but in order to teach on a, on a college level, I need to start with doing some research. So probably I should apply to PhD programs. And so I did. And because the US, the, the American universities uh, have uh, earlier deadlines than European universities, I applied there first. I got some interviews, I got accepted into a couple of programs, and then in the middle of all that, I got reached out to and said, hey, do you have a resume? And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and it turns out it was like, you know, um, 
it was it was another it was like another producer um for for like a, a basketball video game and and through that process of like me interviewing for for one game then vc heard through the czar um <laughs> heard through v, who also had a relationship with some people at vc they heard that i was about to interview for another basketball video game and they started talking to me too so i had this crazy like eight day interview trip from Greece through the United States. And then and that's how I ended up in like summer of 2013 working on starting to work on NBA 2K14, um, which is, yeah, it was, it was, it was just so weird to have to say no to some of the, like some professors that had like histories in the computer science sector that I could like never even aspire to achieve and tell them, well, I got a job making video games. So, and that's actually, you know, my dream. So I have to say no thank you. <laughs> that, that was a crazy few so. months. It was a crazy few months, I remember, just the, the, the whole rollercoaster ride. Where is Leftos going to go? It was, uh, it, it, was, it was even more compelling than, than the decision, the LeBron's decisions, actually, <laughs> quite frankly. I know. I remember because I was sharing everything with you and everyone else in, like, the, 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 the section we don't talk about of the NLC, um, you know, and, and it was, like, so exciting and and so like weird, surreal just to go through, to go from like yeah I was making all these tools and nobody was paying me any money because I didn't care like I, I just I was creating ways for others to put in the hours to make my experience with NBTK better, you know like I didn't know how to use how to edit shaders I just made a tool that made that easier and others were doing the work and I was just using the work they were making and posting on the NLSC to then make NBATK look better, you know, or look more stylized or whatever our preferences were. You know, I still remember the global mods. <laughs> and uh, Still a thing. Yeah, so like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely kind of like this, this story that spans 20 years of how I started playing a very old DOS basketball video game at a very young age, played basketball, actual basketball, then got turned off on basketball, then got back into it um, through through 2K, became a Pistons fan right when they won the championship, and they started going downhill ever since, <laughs> fell out of love with the Pistons, got a job in the industry. It's, yeah, it's it's a weird story for, for sure, but I'm... I'm very happy with with how things turned out, you know, when all is said and done. And the funny thing is, uh, we were talking about it, Derek and I, uh, before in the lead up to being able to uh, to interview you today, is uh, is that Derek came along, or Derek did know about the NLSC uh, before before that had visited way back in the day, around about the time of I believe ninety nine two thousand, but then came back into the community just as you were leaving. Yeah, I was um, I was a kind of a say outsider um, back in the 90s actually i had db commander um and i modded nba live 98 and then i came back to the community right around the end of 2013 um into the nlsc um now i'm a team member there um but you mentioned 2k9 i wanted to bring this up we actually i switched to the nba 2k series um and really started getting into nba 2k actually on nba 2k9 so the same game as you but for the reason I got into NBA 2K series is because NBA Live stopped allowing us to have multi-team use on next on that gen. 
on the PS3, um, Xbox 360 in season mode or dynasty mode. Um, so my brothers and I, who I play with, we weren't able to, and you're a franchise guy, so you can appreciate this, on the NBA Live series for NBA Live 06 for Xbox 360, Live 07, Live 08, and Live 09, um, we weren't able to use multiple teams and do a fantasy draft and go against each other in a season or dynasty. So that killed the series for, the, for us. So what we ended up doing is we really started getting into NBA 2K and NBA 2K7 because that they allowed us to do that. And they had all of that dumb franchise depth on that quote-unquote next-gen version, the Xbox 360, PS3 version. And then NBA 2K9 is the, is the game we really started to ramp up our playtime with NBA 2K. Um, but yeah, I, I figured when you brought up 2K9, I kind of lit up because that was also the game where I really started putting in the time, and, and so did yeah. my brothers. For for me, it was a simpler decision. It was which game was on PC. Yeah. That's all yeah. I had. That's, <laughs> yeah. I love us. Yeah. The thing, that's the thing, Leftos, is we didn't get into PC gaming until, um, again, back into it. Um, we went with Raj Break, sorry for interrupting, from Live 2000 all the way up to NBA 2K14 PC. That's when we started getting back into PC gaming again. Right. Which is weird, right? But yeah, yeah. yeah. It just, it just, you know, and and Andrew can can speak to that, you know, how us PC gamers have have really been at the whims of the industry and the trends, and and you know whether PC felt like it was good enough to be a, a first class citizen, mm. you know. So it was, it was, it was kind of, it was a big, it was a big transition back when Two K Nine came out, and it really felt like. Yeah, it, it it really felt different than anything I had played before across all the kinds of different franchises that I that I had tried since since I was a child. It was just what got me back into it, mostly out of the just timing. A, I only had the PC, so I was gonna get whatever game was gonna come out that year on PC. But B, it was the year where I allowed myself to get back into basketball, even just through video games, because I was tired of like feeling down in the dumps about not. You know about how my like teenage years with with basketball went, and the and the bad ending that had. I was like, no, you know what? I I used to love basketball. I should be able to enjoy it. So I just grabbed the game that was out, and it just happened to be the game that I would be working on five years after that. Yeah, it's, it's you wouldn't have believed the incredible. Yeah. yeah, NBA Two K Nine. Andrew knows about it. I had to buy five different versions um, because for the PC because I couldn't get one with a key, so I kept <laughs> buying like. Because you probably remember the whole release debacle of that, um, as far as like people weren't getting their CD keys. Um, so I, I, I was trying so hard to get it for the PC, um, but I finally got it. The, the funny thing about that was Steam actually fixed the, the issue uh, by by allowing people to uh, to activate it just through Steam. As long as you had the disc in, you could activate it, and then it was fine. Uh, but then a few years later, I think when the servers went off, they 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 cancelled that fix, so Steam stopped fixing the problem. So yeah, <laughs> once you got the game and you went to install it without a key, it was it was back to the uh, back to that problem again. But I, I was very lucky to actually get a copy with a, a sealed copy with a key. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Isn't it weird to think back and remember the days where Steam was like something on the side that you had installed just for like a couple of games, and it was like kind of an annoyance. Yeah, but all of the games we bought were like on disc, and they didn't have. They didn't have any, like, third-party software that they were tied to. You would just, you know, the disc either worked or it didn't, and everyone had their own, like, 
CD keys that you had to like enter and everyone had a different process. And it's it's just kind of weird to think how like Steam and the Epic Game Store are so and, and GOG and all of the other like third party stores are so ubiquitous nowadays and, and, and back then they were just mostly like, Why are you making me use this? Why <laughs> why do I have to go through this other thing? That's how it felt, yeah. I I remember that because I mean, at the time, also being not having as fast of an internet connection here in Australia, the the idea of going yeah. the, the idea of going digital, like I could see the benefit. And uh, Derek and I have talked about the the pros and cons of digital on on a few episodes before, and and I stand by them even today with a faster connection. But but back then, with having a, a slower connection as I did, where you had to where it would take days to download a game, like that, I didn't want that. You know, it's that's not convenient at all. You know, I I want my discs. I've got my optical drive. You know what? Yeah, what? and we're talking about we're talking about like 2008 now, like yeah. when when 2K9 came out, and I remember we did the series of podcasts in the uh, E3 of was what was it 2013 E3? Yeah, that we <laughs> That's crazy. yeah, and we did the series of podcasts, and we were laughing about the audacity of first parties um, asking gamers to go all digital. You know, it was uh, like f- like five years later, we're still laughing at. Who would want to only go digital? That makes no sense. And like, I moved to the United States, and I I don't have any physical games other than the framed copies of the games I've worked on. Mm. You know, like it's it's just bizarre to think that it like my libraries on Steam and the Epic Game Store and some GOG games, and then it's all on the hard drive of my uh, of my of my like PS5 and Series X, just because you know. Like, don't don't make me get up and get the disc. Why why would you make me do that? You know, so it's like it's it, it's the it's it's very much so like opposite. And I remember like being such a young person complaining about why are you making me go digital? And now it's like I'm like 31 years old. I'm like, why are you making me get up off the couch and get a disc? I have a bum shoulder. I'm like in my 30s. I don't need any of this. If I if I can't just pick up the controller and yell at my playstation or my xbox to just start the game it's too much effort don't 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 talk to me about this <laughs> that's right although i still like physical media well for, well, for old school collecting because i'm a mad collector that way i, I do, do still oh, enjoy that absolutely i i had to i i had to order a movie um a korean movie from what was it 2013 um because it just didn't exist on any streaming platform and I'm like, imagine the moment that you do, you can't even get these like shady copies, where you're not even sure if it's a bootleg or not until it gets to your house. Mm-hmm. You know, like as soon as those copies disappear, who's gonna have that movie other than the people that had physical copies of it? You know, so it's like it's it's terrifying. And and you know, you you posted an article about responding to Sony backtracking on closing the. You know the PlayStation 3 store, and and it it was terrifying for a lot of gamers to think that we are going to lose access to PlayStation exclusives that you know like are part of our history, are part of us growing up as gamers, and like it's it would be just terrifying to to lose that part of the history. So yeah, I mean, as as much as I like to joke about you know how. All my library, like most of my library is digital nowadays. I know that at the end of the day, you know, if I, the the things that might actually last me the most are the things that I have in physical form. 
So before we get back into 2K and franchise modes, obviously, and you, as as, you, as we said before we started recording, you're you going to try and bring me back to the light, you and uh, you and Derek. Uh, I, I feel with your, you, you mentioned your Steam library and, and Epic Game Store and everything. Maybe it's because we haven't spoken for a while. Maybe I don't have a good read on you these days, Leftos. I, I feel you have an appreciation for Untitled Goose Game. I just feel that. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 mostly I I introduced my my girlfriend to it and she fell in love immediately and so did her friends it was like one of those games where i'm like i'm like this is i watched one let's play video of it i'm like this is gonna be a hit Mm. it's it's just so simple in its execution and yet it feels like the game that you're gonna sit down and show your friends as you're playing it on like a switch or something you know it didn't feel like a game you need to play on a big screen it felt like, do you remember those ads that Nintendo was doing where people would get together on rooftops and play with their Switches? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it felt like, it, it, I never understood those ads. Like, I had no idea what those ads, who those ads were supposed to represent. But maybe, you know, I felt like, I, I, have I lost touch with what the youths do nowadays? But, like, Untitled Goose Game was the first game that I felt like yeah, I could see that happening. I could see people getting together on a rooftop and playing Untitled Goose Game and just having and just cracking it and cracking up on the, on like just how funny, how entertaining that game is. I, I will say that that is as, as impressive as the work that's gone into the city in Two K Twenty One Next Gen. There are there is a distinct lack of geese. You know, that's just a yeah I, something I'll put out I there. Am, I am. I am fighting for that. Like I, I, I hear you, and I, I felt the same for years. So this is one of the things that I'm really passionate about and fighting internally to 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 get to happen. You know, like a lot of people were wondering, you know, is Left is going to sell out as soon as he gets on the inside? He's not going to care what the community wants anymore. But like, it's I, I'm even able to predict the community's needs. You know, you you wanted geese. I sensed it. I wanted geese too, and. You know, I can't I can't speak definitively for anything we haven't announced, but there may or may not be geese in the future of the city in NBA TK in this generation of consoles. Oh, what 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 a scoop, Derek! We're gonna have to get you into my career now. Geese, unbelievable! <laughs> I got Andrew yeah. into Garfield. Oh yeah, yeah, ridiculous! Life changing. Garfield is life changing. <laughs> Biggest ripoff. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say it out loud. It's the biggest ripoff of Mario Kart I have ever seen in my life. From everything from the interface, the graphics, the the how fast the carts go, how you pick up items, how you the items you get. All, I mean, it's just, but it's life changing. Andrew gained about ten inches on his vertical the first time he played it. Yeah, it was unreal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, if you left us, if you can work out a deal, I, mean, I know obviously you've got uh, a bathing ape, you've got the, all the clothing. Uh, deals for uh, for the clothing in uh, in in my career in the city, but if you can work out the deal with Pause Inc to get Garfield Cart in the city and also Untitled Goose Game with House House, I mean, it's it's all yeah, in one all in one place, cart. all in one place. And that's great. You know, instead of a skateboard, give us a cart, or give us both <laughs> options. How about that? Give us a cart to drive up to the court. How much and make us be able to put our own audio in there, and we can just ride up, roll up to the court. Garfield suit. Oh, they, they, oh yeah. they'd do it. The playground kids would do it. There'd be Garfield suits everywhere. You can imagine it. It's just... Yeah. My, 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 only, my only concern is that there's going to be someone that's going to, from my work, that's going to have to listen and approve this podcast. And they might need all this entire section to be cut out just because, just so we can claim copyright on the idea. 
So, you know, if if you're listening to this podcast and you can't hear me say these words right now, it's because that's that's confirmation. If you are listening to these words right now, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I mean, if we had to cut that out, wasn't that a great conversation we just had? <laughs> yes. Had to, sub- yes. Subscribe yes on pa- had to subscribe on Patreon to get the full thing. But that... <laughs> That's... It's just a six-minute-long bleep. <laughs> like, we didn't actually cut it out. We just bleeped over it for six minutes straight. Oh, I, I'm sure that would just, you know, that, that's what would bring people in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the soundtracks to some of the video games now. They just bleep out every other word. It's just a long bleep <laughs> for a song. So. Uh, Family-friendly. So, obviously, you've been, <laughs> you've been working at Visual Concept now eight years. You, you and you and John Jasming, who of course is also there these days, was uh, you, you you brought up those ideas for franchise mode. The whole idea of if a player gets injured, they come back with bands. You had all these little ideas that you were finally able to implement um, in eventually what became my league and, and my GM, etc. And of course now my NBA. You've had a lot of those dreams and these visions you've had for franchise modes come true, which is just awesome. And, and I, I think people don't necessarily realize that they say, well. Could left us do that as a modder. I said, no, you know, he brought those ideas to the table and working with other talented people to to make that happen, to make this whole mode happen, and and a franchise mode that that you had dreamed of and many of us had dreamed of for years. And you know, I go back to the early two games that I tried to get into on PC and whatnot. And I've, I've mentioned before that at the time the the ISO motion when it was before stick controls was very hard for me to get into coming from from live, but. I go back and I look at those games now and, and can play them, and I look at Association as it was at the time, the Association, and man, I wish I, I was back in, could get into those games back then because it was so deep, and that's something you've been able to build upon, which, I mean, franchise gaming was the flagship mode for many years. Uh, it has gone now towards your, your my team, my career, and its connected modes, but it, it's great that we're still getting that depth of franchise mode in my NBA. I think I think to the to that point I think it's a testament to the team that I got to join. Um I remember my um my producer at the time Eric Benish who is still is still a visual concepts just at a more at a higher level role. Um he took me out to lunch on my first day and he's like, "Okay, you're a big fan of NBA 2K and franchise modes. What is the one feature you've been wanting to put in the most?" And I remembered I'm pretty sure this is in the Trials gameplay I have with John. It's like, I don't know how long. It's like an hour of us just playing Trials and discussing how we want to um, upgrade franchise through modding, just what kind of modding tools we would create. And uh, one of the things that I felt was lacking, and I told uh, Benish at the time, was coaches don't take player performance into account when deciding minutes, when uh, arranging the lineup. So you have players that were playing uncharacteristically well for a few games and they just weren't getting any extra minutes because of it. It was all just ratings-based. And um, I said, I would love to change that. And Benis was went, okay, fine. That's your first task. Make it happen. And and so, like, I got to enter... I got to join a team that was already super passionate about franchise, like the people that had put in so much work into the association in, in Gen 3 on, like, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 and, and, and consoles like that, they had put in so much work, and they had this, like, kid, 23 years old, coming in with all these, like, grand ideas 
and all these preconceived notions about how shallow some parts of the game would in, in, invariably be, you know, like, oh, this, this, this is probably going to have some really bad logic written that just doesn't work right, and I'm going to come in and fix it. And it was, it, it was nothing like that. I got to talk to some amazingly intelligent, inspiring people and look up to them for the longest time and just work um, to get my, my ideas in the game um, so that that was indeed my first feature. I did discover three and a half years later that it didn't that it never quite worked right, um, which was a huge disappointment. Um, but it was my first feature. Uh, it made the development blogs and everything. And it, yeah, it took three and a half years for me to realize it didn't quite work right, and for me to finally fix it. But that's that's what that's that's what got us started. And um, I think one of my favorite things and something that. Um, a lot of engineers get to realize once they join the team that I'm part of, the back-end team, is you get so much freedom to bring your ideas to the table, so much freedom design-wise. You're not, like, segregated as an engineer from the designers and producers. You don't just get a bunch of tasks and you make them happen and that's it. But the, the amount of, like, arguing in, like, in a positive way, I mean that. Like arguing design, arguing the balance of realism versus fun, taking something that's happening in the league off the court, which is or the back end team's focus, what what happens off the court and between the games. Um, you know, taking something that happened like a, a very a trait that baffles us as to why did they agree, like what are their short term or long term strategies in, at play there? How do we get, you know, NBHK to also agree to that trade, like the AI logic to also agree to that trade and make it happen, you know, or or all the rule changes we've had to deal with over the years from like a team's going up to 13 active players to having a, a minimum of 14 players and there also are some very simple things to a lot more complex rules to like implementing the CBA. Um, we, we just had so many real things to draw from but there's, there was also just so much leeway in me bringing things that, like you said, Andrew, was things that we were discussing about dreaming of somehow introducing into the game through modding tools. You like We would create a modding tool that would read your save, and then it would turn on stuff, and then it would re-import into your save as if something happened. You know, like, like you said, like you come back from an injury, you have an accessory. We would need to have access to the fact that an injury happened recently. Okay, and what accessories are good for a given injury and all of that stuff. And we would like, you would re-import your save and your player would have an accessory. But I got to take all of those ideas and actually work on them with, with proper like producers and designers that took that took my ideas and went running in like a five five million directions and like f- really fleshed them out and gave me like a solid design to to implement into the game and it's it's really amazing to look back and see and I'm not saying this to brag but rather I'm saying this as a testament to the team that I've been part of just how m- many of the of the things that are in NBA 2K in the franchise modes nowadays were ideas that I just had been wanting to implement that we as a community were dreaming of for years and years from the summer league and the in-season training to all the features around injuries from 
accessories um, in both players returning with them, but also accessories being able to act as modifiers on the injury probability. And um, in Fog of War with regards to injuries, where you don't get to know what the injury is if it's very important until the game ends, because the player needs x-rays, you know, um, uh, to expansion, relocation, rebranding. Just, just so many things I can look back and, and, and think that, you know, like, I was part of those design meetings. If I didn't come up with the idea outright, like in-season training has been my, my personal baby and something that I'm, like, really proud of for, like, because I remember talking about it with John and, like, I haven't come up with the idea. Um, but, like, if I wasn't, if, if it wasn't my idea, I was in all of those design meetings and I could really look back and say, yeah, I had a big hand in this game and every engineer that works on this team gets to have a big part into how NBA2K shaped and the, the game modes of it, my, my, my NBA, I guess, nowadays, my NBA, my WNBA, my career and the W and my team, how all of those modes are shaped. Um, and it's, it, it makes it a really great place to work at if you're, if you're passionate about, about basketball and about NBA2K. I mean, as as I said, franchise modes were once the flagship, and now they're they're you know, secondary, I, I guess. And it's, it sounds blasphemous to say I know, but obviously the the popularity is in the card collecting, team building modes of my team, uh, the micro-only connected experiences. But the fact that it again that it has been continued to, to build upon with that minute detail, and I'll throw it over to Derek in a sec because I know he'd love to talk about. I'm, I'm sure um, just to guide you on the conversation, Derek, because I'm arrogant like that. Uh, we brought we brought up on episode three hundred seventy three uh, the expansion and relocation and rebranding and and that was a something that stood out to both of us. Uh, but just those minute details, like even something like the setting for accessories that players don't wear them all the time. So some players might wear a headband all of the time, or some of the time, or rarely. Uh, or it's it's one of those little things that those details because you do we do see that in the NBA. Some players uh, always wear a headband. Some players where some games are not. So even re- replicating details like that, uh, it's, it's those minute things that, you know, it doesn't necessarily make a developer blog. It's not going to make a lot of reviews, but the people that are passionate about that stuff, about especially with franchise mode, because I think we, we really do go into those minute details. If you're passionate about that, you notice and appreciate little things like that. I can, I can tell you um, how, how that feature originated. And I don't, I don't want the backend team to take all the credit that actually originated with our roster producers and it had to do with quick game because um, they, they felt like it was impossible to keep up with players whims and how they would change what accessories they wore from game to game. So we Mm. felt like, okay, what if we found a way to get it to feel fresh every time by keeping you on your toes as to which accessories they're gonna bring into into game. So that's that's what that's what brought up accessory frequency was the roster producers that came up with the idea and I was happy to help them implement it. Um, but you know, like the, the, there's things like that and like or like me asking them and like the couple of producers at, at Visual Concepts that are very familiar with injuries and have collected the data from like 30 years of NBA history with regards to injuries and ask them, okay, what accessories does each injury get? Like, what accessories can help prevent this injury? What accessories can help prevent this other injury? Or the fact that we added, you know, a a second injury that a player can have concurrently, because before, if you had a headache, you couldn't break your knee anymore, which made no sense. 
<laughs> I I know and I know you don't like when like because because it's like a game development trope, especially in annual development, and you've you've spoke you've spoke you've spoken to that in your blogs and stuff, how like developers tend to like this last year's game and even though they were like praising it in the in the marketing period leading up to it as it was like revolutionary and then the, the next year comes around they're like oh yeah last year's game was horrible let <laughs> me talk to you about who revolutionized stuff again so like i i really don't want to like make my colleagues that are going to hear this and that were there before me to feel like i'm dissing them for the fact that we only had one injury like most sports games still do you know, it's like it's 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 a given that you're gonna have injuries, but why would you think to have two injuries? You know, but but even just the fact that we added the second injury so that you couldn't just see that oh this player has the flu, okay, I'm gonna keep turbo down the whole time because I know they can't get injured. You know, so it's like we we tried, even though we didn't care as much. Like my my NBA and my WNB don't care about exploits as much. Like if you want to exploit yourself against the AI, who cares? Dude, go nuts. You can go into edit player. You can edit all of your players to be 99s and the opposition to be 25. But like, just, just it just adds that spice and that realism to just have a second injury there looming to make you feel like, okay, just because this player has this ailment doesn't mean that they can't get injured in a different way. Um, and 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 I want to pass the mic back to you guys, but I just wanted to address the whole like, you know, yes, we have shifted our focus to like. Biker and my team, and obviously, the, the, nobody can say that you know telemetry doesn't lie. That's people love those modes, and they do love them more than the amount of people that love franchise. But again, it is a testament to the team that I'm part of that we would not let franchise go by the wayside. We are way too proud into all of the work we've put in, and there's so many people there um, that have been at Visual Concepts for 15 plus years which is just crazy to think about in this industry where, you know, so many software engineers in game development and otherwise just, you know, jump from company to company every three years. It's amazing to think just how many people add visual concepts I get to work with that have been there for 15 plus years and they wouldn't have it any other way. They wouldn't let, you know, all the work, all the blood, sweat and tears that they've put in over the years to just go by the wayside just by franchises and as popular as it once was. And I think that's what, drove a lot of the development that went into franchise over Gen 4, over like the, the years of PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. It's just the, the refusal, even as my career, even as the writing was on the wall that my career was going to blow up, like we all knew it, we were working on it and, and we knew that it was going to blow up. Um, even as that was happening, we were putting in the hours to bring in so many advances into into my league because we wanted to be the best franchise experience out there like it was personal it, we wanted to be able to claim the title that out of not just basketball video games but out of sports games we had the deepest franchise experience now i don't know if we achieved that or not but i do know that the amount of work that went into that even like i said even as the item was on the wall that my career and my team were going to blow up we never let go of our passion for franchise. We're doing this podcast kind of at a time where there hasn't, it's too early to talk marketing wise about, um, you know, the next title, um, whatever that is. Um, but but it's, it's just amazing to think about it. I'm so excited to be able to still be part of a team that loves franchise. I, I would be very, very sad if, as someone that joined Visual Concepts specifically 
uh, out of his love for franchise uh, to see that go by the wayside. And, and I can promise you that hasn't happened. And I think, you know, our very last title, NBA 2K21, um, in the transition to Gen 5 and how we finally put in the work to do what we said we, we couldn't do, which was um, people wanted, loved my league, but they also wanted conversations, or they loved my GM, but they wanted to be able to control more than one team. And we, we always thought, how are we ever going to combine those, especially as we added so many sliders and so much customization to my league? And we thought it impossible to ever bring those two together, but we knew we needed a big bang going into Gen 5. So we're like, we're, we'll just have to roll the dice and try it. We'll just have to try it. And that's how my NBA and my WNBA were created, you know, and, and it's amazing to think that we took so many of the features that had been um, had been getting added over like a period of almost 20 years to NBA to, to franchise and actually were able to create a WNBA experience, which even if it isn't on par yet, like it's just so close like the fact that we took the 20 years and were able to create such a robust WNBA experience because like personally I think the WNBA deserves the love that it's getting from NBA 2K and I think it deserves even more love and we have a lot of people at work that are super passionate and have been have been super proud for um to be to be assigned to work on WNBA so it's really great to see that we're not letting up you know, yes, my career and my team are the big tickets, but we're not letting up, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. Oh, it, it's good news. It's, it's great news, in fact. And, you know, to your point, you say aiming for the best franchise experience in all of sports gaming. I, I think you've at least in the running for that, if if you don't have that title, certainly in the running, um, you know, with, with everything you've done, and it, it speaks to the dedication, it speaks to the culture that you uh, all love working there, and that the people have been there for over a decade, certainly, and still working on these things. And uh, you know, to that point about injuries, we all know that having the flu is the best way to stave off a broken leg. I mean, that's just... <laughs> well, I want to point out... Pure science. Right there. At my age, if I have a headache, I'm not playing. So I'm not going to get that second injury. That's what I want to point that out. <laughs> that's, that's... Maybe that was the reason all along. Maybe I broke it by adding the second injury. That just makes so much sense. If you have a headache, you're just staying home. You ain't going to break your leg. What are you going to do if you have a we, we, we call it load management these days, guys. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I will just say one more thing about uh, my, my foray into my career. I mean, 2K21, you, you kind of make a cameo left those in, as a high school player in that. So, I mean, I, I do it to be closer to you. Uh, you know, so, you know, you're welcome. I, I, that, is, that is, like, the moment our audio director emailed me asking, hey, can you explain to me how to pronounce your last name? Because Kevin Harlan is recording lines for us and we're recording your name. Like that, that was the peak of my career. <laughs> like I know I was talking about how like I had so many ideas that went into my league. Who cares? Kevin Harlan said my name and it's in the game. Are you kidding me? Like that's just, you know, like I, I could have retired at that point. I, w I was happy. Like it, it was a true dream come true. That is very cool. Yeah. So I, I brought it up, Derek. You know, we, we were talking about it on episode three seventy three of the Unsleep Podcast, um, obviously, uh, about the expansion, the friend, uh, and uh, relocation, rebranding, and everything. And that was something that really impressed us. And, and one of those things that we we never thought we'd see in games. No, the NBA two K sixteen was absolutely groundbreaking and a game changer um, for myself and my brothers. Um, 
you know, for my league. And just unlike Andrew Leftos, I actually have a my league going on 2K16, multiple on 2K17. I have um, one, a my NBA going on 2K21 for Xbox Series X. I have one on the PC version. Um, we have a season going, a my league going on 2K19. So like like we said, this is part of, part of this is intervention. We got to get Andrew back into those modes. What a cool like, <laughs> get him going yeah yeah back uh it doesn't have to be the newest version of 2k either like let's get hey, let's get him on some of the older ones um trying but, to wean me you know, onto it 16, <laughs> yeah for 2k16 it was really groundbreaking for us because we were able to relocate our teams we were able to make jerseys create courts stadiums put in dornas sound effects all of that stuff um i did want to know how much of that was your idea or, or how long you had maybe been thinking about something like that um, prior to, you know, joining 2K. Like, hey, I wish we would have had this into the game, in the game, because that was absolutely fantastic. And there's other things about 2K16 that were groundbreaking, too. Like, you, you, they added a bunch of new classic teams past the year 2000. Uh, they had the four size-ups, uh, front, back, side, side, uh, etc. But as far as, like, my league goes, um, that was a really big deal for us. So I wanted to see what, you know... How much of that was your idea um, in the game? I, I mean, sorry, it's just, if we're going to talk about 2K16, we can't not talk about My League Online, right? Like that, making a comeback after 2K14 was my jam, 2K15 was the return of the association as My League, and then 2K16 was My League Online. And then on top of that, we had team relocation, team branding, designing arenas, designing uniforms, you know, league realignment, the whole, like, you would apply to have your team relocate and the board of governors had to approve that in my GM, you know, um, it's, it, the new staff hiring, like, uh, and summer league, the 2K Hoop Summit, like, it's just, it was a crazy year in the introduction of the ticker and Simcast Live, ah, like I, I'm just going through the the, the development blog for TG16. I had to pull it up because I, I don't remember all of the features we worked on by heart. But it's just mind blowing to think just how much went into the game. We have a running joke in um in, in between me and my and my colleagues that we borderline did too much in TK15 and TK16, and I don't think any of our users would have begrudged us for doing about two-thirds between like those two years and just spacing it out more and like getting more bang for our buck over like 2k17 and 2k18 not that 2k17 and 2k18 didn't have enough upgrades as it was but just to think back that in the same year you can add all of that is just kind of like mind-boggling and 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 it's a true testament to like the team that i'm working with right i'm not here to take credit for 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 any of this because i'm just but one person and back then i wasn't i wasn't even a lead engineer i was just an engineer working on whatever i could get my 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 hours and my hands on you know and with expansion i think part of it was like an idea that was that was shared between um between the team and we we a lot of different people came to that idea from different perspectives there were the people of course that were still supersonics fans right that's that wanted to be able to undo the horrible harm that was done to them years prior 
right? So you have you have team relocation and team rebranding from that. There was the excitement of what does an expansion of the league even look like in a video game? You know, adding a brand new team. And I think the perspective that I brought to the table was I was a modder first and foremost and still in my heart. And I was like, we need the we need to give people as much power to mod as possible through the interface of the game, right? There's so many people that are passionate out there that are just stymied by the, the, the lack of editing facilities, even as we had edit player and all of that. And it's just so much creativity out there and so much free content, like even from a business perspective, never mind, you know, the, like little like happy times that we're having here. Even if you just look at it from a pure business perspective, you're having a big part of your user base want to produce free content for you, right? You put in X hours and those people will give you 10, 100 times X hours back of their free time to create content for you, for the game and keep bringing, keep bringing people back to the game during the summer when like there's not as much basketball interest or I keep bringing new people into the game that maybe want to play with teams that we could never, you know, have in the game. And, and like the, the custom content being created was just, was, was, was something that we needed to tap into. And I think, um, and at the same time, you had uh, micro producers wanting, um, you know, pram teams to be custom. You had my team wanting to have custom uniforms and custom arenas and stuff like that. So it really was a culmination of, the whole company pretty much coming together and like in synchronicity to like wanting this to happen in the 2K16 cycle and, and it becoming a reality as it did. Yeah, and it's free promotion too, which is amazing. Like you said, you put that content into the game and you give these people on the ground these tools and make it part of the regular interface. It makes anybody be able to mod. And mm-hmm. then what happens is, is it allows YouTubers, um, you know, social media users and whatnot, content creators to show off that content and it gets thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of views. And then those people get more interested in buying the game and checking out the game and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's great. And it was a big deal for us because what we like to do is we like to put all the legends together and create like legends teams and make their own branding, give them a court all of that stuff. And it really um, added immersion for us. And I upload some of those videos to my YouTube sometimes as I'm I'm, uh, kind of a content creator as well. Some of those gameplay videos and people really enjoy that, um, that content. Um, So yeah, I think it's great. I I was going to say, and it's what was amazing to me was to see the culmination of the work that started in 2K16 um, hit, hit like a a tipping point in 2K21 where we got emailed by one of the people in the community that said, hey, I created an all-custom 36-team league. I, cre- I, I customized every team in the league, and I uploaded a save so that everyone could like just download that save, which was another thing that was like super important to us with, with, the, the, with Gen 5 becoming a thing, that we wanted people to be able to you know, share, um, share their, their saves as scenarios, but also knowing that the more custom content you need, you give the uh, people the ability to create, the more you need to give them facilities to share that content. So being able to like customize the entire league and be able to just share that with everyone else, just, it was just an amazing, an amazing feeling to see that, you know, five years 
it has been in the making to be able to let people do do that stuff. And yes, in 2K21, what started us like, you can relocate a team in 2K16 and you can add up to six teams. I don't know that expansion was even in the game. I think 2K17 added expansion. I yeah, might be wrong. Yeah, you can only do right, right. teams. Right, yeah. so it was relocation. You could relocate the, the, the existing teams and rebrand the existing teams. But and and 2K17 brought expansion, but like it was save sharing added with 2K21 and the abilities we got with with like this new generation of consoles, which allowed us to have people not just share team designs, but actually take an entire league that they've customized and give it to to the rest of the community to play. It was it was just amazing to see. It, it is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Cons- that's the thing we talked about. It. I talked about MLB The Show 20, which they did that so well. Um, it's bringing what you know and what people know about the modding community, what we've in the past only been able to do really on PC, bringing that to everybody. And as we know, PC is, is still niche overall. Um, the fact that, you know, it gives the majority of the population who plays on console the ability to do these things is wild. I think it's great. Yeah, and I mean, where do you think the idea for, like, what we call internally your roster quick edit is where you can go to the roster screen and enter a mode where every cell becomes editable. You know, that was, that was like, spreadsheet mode without, like, us turning the game into Excel. You know, like, we had, we wanted to give the modding tools to the community. We just had to figure out how do we get this to work with a controller? You know, like, the, the games, when I, when I said previously that the, we aspire to be the best franchise experience in all of sports gaming, the games we've remaining for us to look up to and try to imitate are PC only. And there's a reason they're PC only, it's because they couldn't exist with the limitations of consoles with regards to, like, save sizes. And, you know, like, f- first party gives you a limited amount of space to work with, and there's requirements about how saves are going to work, and all of that stuff, like... When you still have to make a multi-platform game and the only games left for you to try and emulate or, like, take inspiration from are, um, are PC only, you, you know you've made it. Like, the, so much of the issues we have every year are usability issues, and I need to give credit to the front-end team um, for, like, trying to, to, trying to hash that out with us about, you know, when you have 30 different types of functionality that you try to cram into that menu but your controller only has 12 buttons what do you do you know so it's like it's those kinds of problems that are good problems to have that we have too many ideas and the the console form factor is naturally limiting but also kind of educates our decisions around trying not to go too far into the weeds about a game that feels more like people that love um seeing nice graphics around an excel spreadsheet you know trying to go no, not to go too far into that direction and realize that usability and and still having it feel like a game and still having it be um friendly to newcomers is a very important perspective so as much as i get annoyed sometimes by the limitations of console development i think they also educate uh, and guide our decisions in a very in a very positive direction as well I think that's so important to to realize, and why it's so great to to talk to somebody who is in game development, and certainly somebody who has programming experience as well. Is that you know? I mean, I don't want to throw our fellow gamers under the bus, but when you when you haven't been on that side of things, you don't necessarily realize all these challenges, all these design concepts and limitations you have to work with. Is why can't you add this, and why can't you add that? Well, there is a feasibility issue. We don't always 
understand the ins and outs of that because it's it's i mean i think it's interesting to talk about but not everybody does or they don't care they just want their their feature and um and, and they'll, they'll yell at you on social media or they, or they would if you were still on social media obviously <laughs> made a good decision there um but it's, it's something that you don't realize you know like you say you've only got a limited amount of buttons on the console so on the console controller so how do you implement that how do you implement it with the how many saves you can have etc so it's these limitations that we, we just think oh they're doing it to or a lot of people think oh, it's, it's just laziness or an un- unwillingness to to do this or they're trying to punish us somehow or people have some very strange uh, conspiracy theories obviously you've been on this side you've been on both sides of the community left so you know but mm-hmm. it, it, it's always great to get that insight into well there is actually a technical reason why why these things you know we're trying to do this but you, but finding a way uh, takes a bit of work I was a very harsh critic of, of basketball franchises. You know, I can only speak to NBA 2K and, you know, to the products that uh, Visual Concepts and 2K and 2 makes because of my position as a developer there. Um, but but I was, before I joined, before I joined as an engineer at Visual Concepts, I was a very harsh critic of basketball video games and video games at large because I was a fan and because I wanted the best out of them and because I had no, um, I had no insight into the development process and what went into it. And I, I have like two two key examples of how my perspective was skewed so much and how it was corrected when I actually got to look at the code base and talk to the people working on that. For one, I, I thought that, you know, the, the trade logic must have been three lines of code and that it was horrible. And um, I got to talk to the people that had been working on the trade logic year after year and I got to read the code and understand just how much thoughtfulness went into it in that the the issue that that we still have to this day i think it's it's okay to admit um is how to communicate the decisions that the trade logic the trade ai is making you know there's 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 short-term ramifications and long-term ramifications that go into it however when the most words we can ever put on the screen are like social media tweets you know social media messages i should say not to get a foul of any copyrights um you know it's it's kind of hard to try to find a way to communicate to the user why teams are making the decisions they're making and at the same time it was also so funny to me to see people so um frequently call out their own gms um uh, and, and head coaches and you know heads of basketball development um on 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 just the the absurdity of some of the trades out there and yet how frustrated they were were those trades sometimes to happen in NBA TK, you know, and, and I'm not going to say that, you know, that we go out of our way to make trades be, um, be uh, dumb so as to be realistic, but we do take into account, you know, the attributes of, of the staff members involved and uh, whether someone is a bad negotiator and is more likely to make, make a bad trade simply because, the counter offer they didn't they they weren't as good at judging the value of the pieces they were given up for the pieces that were taken in and then there's like depth chart ramifications there are long-term goal ramifications and there's so much logic that goes into it but it's so hard to communicate that to users so i can totally see how you know if i wasn't part of the development team i would still feel like you know, sometimes that no work goes into the trade logic when I know for a fact that a lot of work goes into the trade logic every year. Um, the other example I wanted to mention was I remember seeing um, uh, a 10-page thesis on operation sports, I think it was, 
about how sliders affected the simulator, the gameplay sliders affect the simulator, and how to adjust the sliders to get the best um, simulated games stats, you know, for people that like to sim seasons or for people that play their own games but don't play any other team's games, which is understandable. You know, how do you set up the sliders so that the simulator can can generate the most the best stats? And they had, like, 10 pages worth of content, really great content, where they had simulated season after season, kept experimenting, kept changing the sliders um, to see what kind of stats the simulator would produce, and um, and I and I took that knowledge excitedly into my uh, into my tenure um, at at VC, and I and I talked to the people, you know, and I looked at the simulator code, and I realized that gameplay sliders weren't hooked up to the simulator at all. <laughs> wow! Yeah. So placebo. So it. Yeah, it's 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 amazing to think that you know that this person had put so many hours, and I mean, since then we've resolved that, right? The simulator has a ton of customizability now um, for you to fine tune it to um, to to what you feel is realistic, and we wouldn't have it any other way. But back at the time when I first joined the company, they were not hooked up at all, and it was just so fascinating to see how our own perceptions of the experience we have with the game can skew or perspective into what the development of the game is. You know, like thinking that the, the sliders are actually changing the simulator logic or to think that the trade logic must be all of three lines of code. You know, so it's 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 really interesting. And I don't want to say, you know, I'm not saying that as to say that if you're criticizing us, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, that, that is totally not what I'm trying to say. We, we listen to the feedback every year and we've spent, you know, sleepless nights trying to address issues and, and, make, and make sure the game, you know, is, is, is something that we, can be, that we can be proud of. Because we couldn't be proud of it if, if everyone that played it wasn't happy. But I do want to encourage people to take to take it from my experience that try to question how much knowledge you have into how the game works because all you're observing are the results of how the game plays but you don't know its inner workings so if you if if you want to like we offer the customization so that you can actually change how the game works and i think I don't think any other sports game out there offers the amount of sliders we offer. Um, I tried to, um, I actually had a recent presentation at work where I was showing the entire company just what in the world does the backend team do, right? The, the team that I'm the lead engineer of nowadays. Um, and I tried to go just through the pages of my league settings, my NBA settings, starting the mode, and I ran out of time. You know, it's just amazing to see. But, you know, like, we, we want your criticism, just take your criticism, ma- make it as educated as you can and as constructive as you can, and keep in mind that you can't possibly know how the game works. All you have is evidence of the results, but go into it saying, giving us your ideas, let us know actually how the game works and how to take your ideas and incorporate them if if they aren't even, if they aren't already implemented in a way... Um, where we just need to fine tune to get closer to your suggestion. And and at this point I can hear people saying, but leftos, you're not on social media anymore. How in the world are we going to give your ideas? Well, Andrew compiles a wish list every year. Just reach out to Andrew. Him and I are still in contact. You know, he has 
she has my work email and she can reach out to me and say, hey, here's what the community would love to see. And more geese. trust me when I tell you, <laughs> trust me when I tell more geese, trust me when I tell you this, we have what we call our blue sky list. I think I talked about that in the Operation Sports um, video series uh, where a bunch of us that were hired by VC and 2K out of the community. So Mike Wang was there, uh, Momentous, um, so Eric Dillard was there, Mike Stauffer, who was, what was his name, his community name? Uh, B. Edwards Roy, I think, was um, uh, was was his was his name. He was like roster one, yep, uh, content yep. creator. Yeah, um, so many people hired straight out of the community. John John was there, of course. Just Ming was there. Uh, so many people hired out of the community. You know, are are part of VC, and we still listen to the community, and we have what we call a blue sky list, like the 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 list of things that we still want to put in the game. And because we're an annual cycle and we don't get to dictate our release date, you know, we, we only have so much time in any given year to put stuff into the game. That list is still, like, to this day enormous. Things go into it faster than we can take them out of it and actually implement in the game. But please keep your ideas coming because you would be surprised at how much of what the community wants um, is, is, is what drives... Um, is what drives the game. Like my league online would have never like online association. What was online association wouldn't have come back as my league online if it wasn't for a community of, admittedly not, not many in the context of like just how many people play my career. But they're very the the, the people that play my league online are super passionate. Now my NBA online, my WNBA online, you know they're super passionate and they 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 would never give give up on this mode and it and it drove us. To just rip out all of the online association code and start from scratch and rethink, okay, how do we create server architecture, a client server architecture that's going to be stable, that's going to support 30, 36 users at the same time? How do we make MyLeague Online a great experience? And yeah, it took us a couple of years to get to the point where it could be, you know, um, as stable as we wanted it to be, but when, but we have something that we can be super proud of and the amount of like offline features that make it online even as you play the regular season completely out of order you know and and again that was all because there was a very passionate part of the community that wouldn't let us release another game without online association making a comeback and so my league online came back and we kept working at it and we're still working on it so it's it's i i want to encourage people to you know leave their preconceived notions at the door but not never stop giving us feedback. And if you can't find one or more of us directly on social media, you know, you have you have community people running communities like Andrew, you have the wish list on the NLC on operations boards. Keep adding stuff there because I promise you we look at them every year. Oh, it's it's great to know and that's why we will continue to push to have that constructive feedback. And and just to circle back to the the whole slide is not actually affecting anything. I mean that placebo effect has been in effect, among gamers, multiple gamers for, for years, uh, there's a, another a very old game now uh, that uh, had an arcade and simulation setting, and, and people were convinced that if you switched it to arcade, that, that it was backwards. They were convinced that if you switched to arcade, you would actually get a simulation experience. Switch to arcade and turn the rules on, they said. And it was, they were convinced, and there was no difference, absolutely no difference whatsoever in the, the gameplay, the mechanics, or anything. 
so but people were convinced and people make these weird ratings edits and say oh this is better because it's it's confirmation bias is it not it's it's wanting that you know you put this work in or you think you've discovered this uh this secret and i mean obviously there have been some weird quirks and bugs over the years but people have decided that they've uh, that they've found that they've found these issues and and, and fixed them uh and to the to also to your point about trade logic i mean i i, I will just dump on garpax here jump jump and garf woman <laughs> i mean some of the trades they made if they happened in a video game you'd say that's that's horrible why are you doing that but the idea of having a realistic trade in a franchise mode i mean obviously if the if the lakers traded lebron james on the after the second game of the season for uh, for a bench player i mean that would be unrealistic i mean if there's no logic to it at all i think maybe that's what people want is some kind of logic whether it's a, a rebuilding team making a bad trade for example or a, a you know taking a punt on a bad trade but it's uh, or, or just something ridiculous like again like a star being traded three games into the season for no reason but you do see some very lopsided trades in the NBA just to get rid of an unhappy player or, cause they, or, or whatever. So it, to, what counts as realism is a, is a very um, very interesting topic, actually. The, the problem is that, that, that people can be persuaded by a trade they think is absurd by um, uh, writers that can, you know... Uh, break down the trade and, and, and explain how it played into the team's short-term and long-term goals. And we don't have the space for that. You know, we, we, we're not like, you know, we don't have the privilege that um, games like, you know, Football Manager get where they, they get to write walls of text and try to, to try to tell you, to talk to you about things. We try to be a game that doesn't, that like feels like a video game that's accessible for everyone and and walls of text kind of like or contrary to that but at the same time you hit you hit the wall where you know um and that's not a criticism for football manager i think it's just like two different crowds and i'm a big football manager fan too you know i i I don't want this to feel like i'm here i you know dissing football manager but because of the way the, of that we want NBA to key to feel it, it becomes also then a struggle of how can we expose the, the 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 intelligence that went into this decision how do we expose the logic that went into this decision and we've written social media about it we try to do relevant messages and stuff like that but it's it's still a struggle and it's something that if you if if any people listen to this have ideas as to you know how would you go, given what you know about how NBA 2K looks and, and plays, how would you have people understand why a trade happened? You know, if I promise you that a lot of logic goes into it, how would you go about explaining that? I would love to hear your ideas. Send them to Andrew, send, put them on the on the wish list or start a thread, and I would love to hear your ideas on that because that's still something that I, I, I scratch my head about. But to talk about, you know, the, the, the thing that you mentioned, Andrew, about what is realism, I think I think um, of a certain challenge every time I try to explain, um, you know, the, the the balance, the question of balance between uh, fun and realism, and it's something that I had to explain a lot recently. I was going through hiring for um, to put in, in new smart people on the back end team for the years to come, and I had to explain to them, you know, about about how people think they want realism, but they don't really. Um, not mm. not to the extent that they think they do. Mm, and yeah. the example I, I, the example I go back to is injuries, where people for the longest time were determined NBA 2K has too many injuries, 
And I can tell you for a fact that we have the data from 30 years of the NBA's history with regards to injuries. We built our injury encyclopedia and our injury tuning. Uh, our injury encyclopedia, I think, could contains over 120 injuries i might be i don't have the number in front of me but you know we build our injury encyclopedia and that includes how much the injury how uh, what type of injury it is what kind of properties does it have does it allow you to continue moving immediately or does it require you to spend some time without being able to move or are you going to be unable to move for the entire duration of the injury can it progress or regress into another injury um do teams tend to call timeout as soon as the injury happens? How much of an effect does it have? And then it gets linked to your body parts, and then each body part, based on the severity of the injury, affects different attributes to a different extent. So an 100% arm injury uh, has very different attribute effects than a 20% knee injury, 20% you know, um, strength or severity, let me say, 20% um, severity knee injury. And then your student, your student side versus your non-student side also have different effects um, on your on on how they affect your attributes. And those are things that, like people that worked at Visual Concept, had no idea were a thing, right? Until I told them that they were a thing. And so we have all this logic that goes into injuries, and yet injuries in NBATK happen with sixty percent the frequency that they happen in real life. Well, so why does say, it not to interrupt? Yeah, not to interrupt leftovers, but I was about to agree. I was about to jump in and say that there's. Uh, I've sim seasons and I've been. I played my leagues in them over the last few years, and there's definitely more injuries in the real NBA. Uh, yeah, I love and, but do you, can you can you guess why injury? Why it still feels to people? Why people still swear that injuries happen more often in NBA TK than they happen in real life? Uh, I think it, 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 the reason I, I would say maybe. Because it's happening to them. <laughs> exactly. Because they're playing. That's exactly their players injured. Get injured. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the same reason your player doesn't get injured in my career. Like people have complained about that for years. But 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 the 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 fact of the matter is that if you get two games against LeBron, because you're playing across conferences, right? So you only get two games against LeBron a year, and you've been looking forward to that game, and we injure you. And you don't get to rewind time and undo the injury, and you don't get to play LeBron until the next season. Like that's that's a horrible experience, you know. Like, would it be realistic for you to get injured? Absolutely. Would it make for a fun gameplay experience? No. And it's the same thing with my league, where yes, people can get injured, and yes, we allow you to tune the injury frequency. But if you leave that injury frequency slider at fifty, injuries happen at sixty percent the frequency of real life because if the injury happens to you when you're controlling the player on the sticks, it affects you a lot more if you're playing as a GM or as a head coach. And the player that you drafted, that you've been looking forward to using the whole time, goes down with an injury and it's going to miss six months. You know, especially if you're someone like me and Andrew that, like, tends to play every game in 12-minute quarters because we're, like, broken people like that. Um, so is Derek. You know, so is Derek. <laughs> uh, no, no, no I've, I've been doing that uh, I was little. No, no, I, I always play twelve minute quarters, all eighty two games. We're all mad here. Yeah. So the the so the amount of hours you would have to play before you got to play with that player, you've been building your entire draft pick and trade strategy around. You know, like it makes for a heartbreaking moment. It makes for a horrible 
experience and still realistic. We're not about to like remove injuries from franchise anytime soon. But when it happens to you when you're playing on the sticks or when 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 you've been looking forward to playing with this player, it affects you so much more than if you're just watching an injury happen on the screen or if you're reading about it in in the latest NBA and WNBA news, right? So it's so there's there's that thing where people want realistic injuries but they don't want injuries with the frequency that they happen in real life people want real traits but they don't want the stupid ones they only want the smart ones but that's not realistic yeah they just yeah. want amazing trade logic and i totally understand that i'm not going to tell you that that's not something i want too but having traits that only make sense to you would be completely unrealistic because how many times until you've read the the analysis on a given trade do you feel like that trade just makes no sense whatsoever? You know, and that happens so much in real life, and yet, but we don't want the real stuff. We want the stuff that we're going to enjoy, you know, and, and a lot of the time there is a lot of overlap. We enjoy realism. We're basketball simulation fans, and we enjoy realism, but there is a point after which it destroys your experience as a gamer, and that's something that people seem to lose sight of when they play games like this. Well, there's a trope over on TV Tropes, uh, reality is unrealistic, that when you have that in fiction, a video game, a, a movie, you know, a, a TV show, when it's something's realistic, but it's not what people picture as reality, they think, oh, that's, that is unrealistic. That's not, that's not right. And, and I, I, do, I do think that, and I, I know I've been exposed uh, over the years, both gameplay and conceptually with, with franchise modes or my career, whatever. And, and I've thought, you know, what, what if you could get injured in my career? But you bring up a great point, and then, and then you can't grind your player, and then you can't play those great matchups that you want to play. Then you're missing the season. Does that carry over to the connected modes? So many things that, if you wanted to make it realistic, would get in the way of the experience. So uh, I definitely, it's one of those things we, we think we want it until we've got it. Which is again, as you say, not not to say that the games are not going to be realistic, but sometimes you have to tune that realism for the you know that, that fun versus realism. Absolutely. So it's it's totally understandable. And, and because there's so many people out there wanting such vastly different experiences is why we have so many sliders, right? So many so many ways in which you can customize the mode both on and off the court, right? It's been such, such a big part of our MO on the backend team to keep adding more and more and more customization sliders. You know, you can now individually adjust the progression of every attribute based on whether the player is on the growth stage, the peak stage, or the regression stage, right? Like, what what other game can you think of that lets you do that? Yeah. You know, it's just the amount of customization, and now we allow you to, because we, we realized that when we were making my NBA and my WNBA, we, we weren't creating a mode, but rather we were creating the mode sandbox, where you could create different modes, that's why you can now, you know, share your mode settings before you enter the mode and, and share that as a, as a mode. You know, that's 2K share. What do you call that? 2K share modes, I think. And then, then there's like 2K share scenarios where you can play, you know, three years into my NBA, my WNBA and, and like get the mode exactly where you wanted and maybe create a challenge where you're like, okay, this team is like 20 and 45. Can you turn them around? Can they make the playoffs? Go. You know, the idea was that people would share those challenges because because we've seen the challenges, right? They, they, they would come up on forums and they were like, okay, set up your game this way. What is the best you can do? 
Absolutely. Right? So yeah. we wanted to give we wanted to give people the opportunity to share those challenges, you know, with each other through official means rather than requiring everyone to like down you know set up the mode go through the whole thing over and over again and it's it was the same with like you know sharing creative players it was the same with um you know um uh, how now through share scenario you can you can share an entire customized league you know you can create a fantasy league or you can create your local league or you can create a historic league and you can share that with other people and have them play it you know it's just it's just part of our mode to offer people the experience that they want i would just ask you as you know in the general you as as a gamer uh, as a part gamer plus a part basketball simulation fan question how much realism you actually want you know and every time you you confront something that happens in the game and you're like that's not realistic think about it a second time you know let that stew a second and be like would that happen in the real NBA or WNBA, or is this just so so out of the uh, out of the, the realm of possibility that it feels like a bug? Because I'm not going to claim that we have no bugs. I would be a liar if I said that. But at the same time, I feel like there's so many things that we do that have a lot of logic go into it that we can do a better job of communicating, perhaps, but that people feel dismissed as unrealistic when at the same time they would have dismissed them as absurd yet happen in real life. So as you can see from the title of this week's episode, it is actually a part one, part one of two, because if you've listened to the old episodes with Leftos, or indeed any of our previous interviews with him, you know that some of those shows can get very long, and we decided to split this one up into two for easier listening. Part two will be coming out soon, possibly as soon as next week. It really depends on when news breaks as far as NBA 2K22 is concerned. We may have to push it back another week just so that Derek and I can talk about some news while it's fresh. But in any event, part two will be coming very soon. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed our chat with Leftos so far, episode 387 of the NLSC podcast. The NLSC podcast comes out every week on Sundays, of course, on the NLSC, which is me-live.com. We're also on the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, to name just a few. On those platforms, search for NLSC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Or keep streaming on the NLSC, of course. As long as you're tuning in and enjoying the show, that is the main thing. As we mentioned during the course of our chat with Leftos, he's no longer on social media, but we are, and the NLSC is. If you'd like to follow Derek, you can do so at D384 on Twitter, or on his gaming channel, D43G. He is also on YouTube, D for three. He's on Instagram, D for three eighty four. Definitely tune into his podcast, Holding Court, where I am sometimes a guest host, where we're talking about the real NBA. You can tune into Holding Court on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Audio, and CLNS Media, just to name a few platforms. And of course, you can find him in the forum. He is D for three. I am Andrew NLSC on Twitter and Andrew in the forum. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash Center, And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I've been Andrew, joined by Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.